Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 24's podcast, the best video gaming and sports podcast on the entire internet. I feel something coming on strong. I feel a storm is coming to 24's podcast, clouding the skies, blackening your days. And it's about not our, not your days, the opponent's days, the opposition's days, because I'm coming in like a thunderbird riding a, a, a freaking bolt of lightning. Coming in to, to the sports media narrative. Going in fast, dog, violent, speed, power, whole baby, 24th podcast, taking over the entire industry. I don't even know what the intro is. I'm very excited for today's podcast. Turn it on all the way. Awesome, awesome, awesome song. Are you, are you juiced up? Did you feel it? Did you feel what I was putting out there? Did you feel the energy coursing through you? Do you, do you now want to go into a, 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 a gigantic battle with dragons and magicians and knights? Oh my God, I'm so excited. For some weird reason, <clears throat> a couple of days ago, not a couple of days ago, literally today, I got recommended one of my favorite scenes from Game of Thrones, a lot of people dunk on Game of Thrones, but you cannot dunk on The Light of Seven and the scene with Cersei Lannister plotting to kill Marjorie. I don't know her name, the red-headed girl, Marjorie, plotting to kill her, making it happen. One of the best scenes in the TV show, and it's like an eight or a nine-minute scene. It's an eight or nine-minute, you know, you know, uh, part of the story, right? Because Game of Thrones always cuts between different characters and things of that nature, and all throughout the the uh, the scenes, the uh, it's the it's the stringed and instruments with the piano, the dun, 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 and then the stringed instruments come in and the dun, 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 Gets me juiced up, gets me fired up. And in at the climax, Cersei wins. And it's the reintroduction to a character that you've known for years. But it's a reintroduction to, I mean, just a more heinous version of Cersei. A villain of epic proportions. <clears throat> Thought we would introduce the show. We would start off the show right the light of seven, we would do it right. Now, <clears throat> today, I teased it at the end of yesterday's podcast. I said, you know what? These new Deshaun Watson, you know, these new Deshaun Watson, uh, uh, what is it, allegations or whatever they're called, whatever other people are calling them. They came out late yesterday, and I was like, I gotta, I'll read them on my own time. And I was gonna read them on the podcast, right? Yeah, we're opening with Deshaun Watson and his allegations. 
you know, <clears throat> I was like, I was thinking to myself, I was like, should we cover them on the podcast? I was like, I, I, like, maybe I can find the documents myself, you know, off the air. And I did. I found them today. More on that later on. But I found them. And I left yesterday's podcast with the thought that, and I'm, I'm wrong about this. I'll raise my hand up high. You would think that considering how many TV shows always led to Sean Watson at the beginning of April, mid to late March, led with, oh, Deshaun Watson has a bunch of allegations and things. He's got, I mean, he, the, the brothers caught so many cases, we got to go in and we got to categorize some of them, right? You'd think that people would lead their show. I thought they would have led their show. The, the, j- just the evil machination of Rusty Harden denying all of the allegations once the names had come out. I thought for sure people were going to jump on that and say, you can't do that. It's wrong. It's disrespectful. Don't be disrespectful. I thought people would have done that. No, they did not. Nobody did. As a matter of fact, I had to look long and far. Go long and far. Trying to find somebody talking about it. And lo and behold, one Mike, Michael Florio. is talking about it. Guy that shouldn't be talking about it. Has no business talking about it. I don't know if he was a civil lawyer. I don't know what he was. Let me kind of look him up. Let me look up Michael Florio. Because, I, you know, I haven't Wikipedia'd him. Wikipedian. And looked him up. What is what did he do for nineteen for nineteen years? What type of lawyer was he? Michael Florio. What did he do? Let me kind of look uh, look it up. <clears throat> Apparently, he was a. My freaking hold on. Hold on. My like, you know, my my second monitor, like my second monitor core just like went out or something like that. Do I need a new one? I just got this one like a couple months ago. Anyways, apparently this guy, Michael Florio, was a lawyer for 19 years, right? Went to Carnegie Mellon. Ooh, that's I think that's an Ivy League, right? Carnegie? Maybe not an Ivy League, but that's fancy school. Carnegie Mellon University. Then apparently in 1991, he went to West... Always heaven. West Virginia. Went to West Virginia University's Law School in 1991. But then apparently, we just don't have... We just don't have anything from... You know, when he was a lawyer. Apparently, he started to work for ESPN around 2000 or something like that. He went from NFLtalk.com and then worked for ESPN in 2000. And then he created the website Pro Football Talk in 2001. And essentially, that's when he took off. Apparently, he was practicing law in Clarksburg, West Virginia, and then 2009, it was announced that Pro Football Talk would be an affiliate of NBCSports.com. Don't really know what he practiced. 
still don't know what he practiced. He was the only guy that was talking about it. The only guy that was talking about Deshaun Watson's alleged allegations. And again, I can type in literally into like Google ESPN Deshaun Watson's uh, sexual assault allegations. I can get a whole bunch of hot, hot topics from Stephen A. Smith. I can get him just going on a rant saying, well, if he did do that, he got us I can get him just talking a whole bunch. I can just have essentially inaudible, unintelligible conversations about Deshaun Watson for the last month. Let me just try it out. Yep. 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 And you know what? You know what? That's fine. People want to talk about Deshaun Watson. That's fine. I would like it for people to, you know, Talk about this serious allegate these serious allegations intelligently, but you know people are like, well, you know, like we don't really have to do that at all. Now, reason why I bring this to your attention is once again, people have no problem just jumping on the bandwagon and shitting all over Deshaun Watson, but then nobody wants to actually do any journalism and have any type of integrity. Go down to South Park and ask Randy Moss if he can give you some integrity, because some people got to get some integrity. Down there in New York and Bristol, Connecticut and Los Angeles, among other places. I don't know where they film pro football talk, but they got, I don't know where they film it. I don't really care. They suck. But you know what? It is what it is. So once again, I thought people were going to cover it. They didn't cover it. We're going to cover it. I talked about it yesterday. I, I said, nobody, you know, apparently the sports Emmys have come out. And apparently they're going to get, you know, they, they're like like uh, the MLB show, NFL Total Access, like all of these other TV shows are like nominated for awards. We didn't get nominated. 24's podcast didn't get nominated. Not going to worry about it. And the sports award shows, they're a joke. They don't count quality. They, they count relationships and handshakes and underhand slide or excuse me, under the table bribes and whatever. We're not about that here. We're about just going out, doing our jobs, being the best video game sports podcast on the entire internet. We're the best. Got an award for it. Award-winning podcast, not from the Emmys because they're a joke. Award-winning podcast, 24 podcast. But <clears throat> Emmys came out today. Had a whole bunch of shows be nominated, things of that nature. Million-dollar shows, million-dollar production, people getting paid out the wazoo. And then, you know, people... Million-dollar production, million-dollar shows can't be bothered to Google some shit on the internet, you know, about these cases. I feel pretty proud of that. I feel pretty proud that, you know, I do the bare minimum and all these other million-dollar award-nominated, sports Emmy-nominated shows literally can't do the bare minimum. I love myself. I love this show. Thank you for so much for tuning in. Kind of a weird tangent to go on, but nevertheless... <clears throat> And I know we're kind of fatigued with the whole Deshaun Watson thing because I've definitely covered it way better than everybody else in the industry. However, um, I, I believe there is fair reporting, you know, or that we should do fair reporting or that we should engage in fair reporting because if I was in the same situation and if I was innocent and if I, I believe that I was innocent, then I would want fair reporting on both sides, which is why I covered not only the alleged victims, but I also covered Deshaun Watson as well. I read his statements by his lawyer. 
I read, you know, the evidence that hit, maybe not the evidence, but the statements, things of that nature. I also read the 22 or 18 women that came out in support of Deshaun Watson. I also read the statement that Rusty Harden had essentially given out when it comes to the two women that had come out and said Deshaun Watson had done this originally, the two women. And Rusty Harden had essentially said, you know what, my guys are in it, my guy is innocent, we got evidence to prove it, and he proved it. Then, on top of that, today, technically yesterday, Rusty Harden had filed paperwork in response to all 22 alleged victims. We're going to get into that because I think it's very important. And um, I feel like people, specifically Florio, are taking the easy way. They're taking the easy. They're taking the easy way, excuse me. I'm not going to let him get away with nothing. Let me show you guys something here. I think it's important to read the entirety of the document and then kind of go on it. Let me show you guys something here. I got his entire court document so this document is the document that Deshaun Watson's legal team had submitted to the um to essentially you know to Harris County District to the Harris uh, County District Court I think or whatever not a lawyer but you know what I mean this is the legal document that Rusty Harden had sent essentially the counter to the lawsuits Right, being claimed by the women, the 22 women in in question, and this document is identical essentially to every single lawsuit. Essentially, he had submitted it in response to every single one of them. It essentially reads very, very similarly, if not almost verbatim, or not verbatim, but like if not similarly, then literally it reads exactly the same. Kind of tripping over myself a little bit now. document reads as follows since march 16th 2021 when the first of 22 lawsuits was filed against deshaun watson mr watson in parentheses he has been adamant that he did not engage in any of the proper conduct that has been alleged at the same time he and his defense team have insisted that they adamantly oppose condemn and disapprove of any sexual misconduct against women Now, a little bit of context about this. Rusty Harden and his legal team, they were not on the case originally. He had to hire them to come in and be like, yeah, we're going to defend you, Deshaun. Which is why they said Deshaun and his legal team opposed these originally. Continuing forward, legitimate claims should be reported to authorities taken seriously and their proponents treated respectfully. However, in the few days since... Mr. Watson has learned the identity of his accusers. His legal team, that is Rusty Harden and his associates, has already uncovered evidence that numerous allegations in, the, in this onslaught of cases are simply not true or accurate. For example, and he goes bullet point by bullet point. Bullet point by bullet point, by the way. <clears throat> or, excuse me. By the way. When it comes to them knowing the identity of his accusers, like we're talking about less than like, I believe two weeks. 
I don't know. Like, I would assume that they would have to file the document. Like, they filed it Monday, which was today's Tuesday, so technically it was yesterday. They filed it Monday, so I would assume, like, in about a, a little bit over a week, essentially they've been able to get a lot of information, and if you gave them, like, a month, they probably would be able to uncover a lot of information as well. Now, they have not submitted a lot of evidence to support these claims. As a matter of fact, the only evidence that they have submitted is just terrible. It's garbage. It's just, I mean... They've got to hit me with a lot more other stuff than what they've submitted for it to be anywhere close to, all right, they can, you know, they can get out of this. But if what they say is true, if they can back up these claims, these cases come tumbling down like Jericho in the Bible, right? You know how like, you know, the Israelites, they walked around Jericho uh, and they were playing instruments and trumpets and the walls tumbled down and a biblical story i don't mean to get religious but you know what i mean <clears throat> let's go through some of the um the allegations that are just or the um excuse me what is it uncovered evidence that numerous allegations in, the, in this onslaught of cases are simply not accurate or true let's go by the bullet points bullet points excuse me after the massage therapy sessions with mr watson eight plaintiffs bragged about praised and were excited about massaging Deshaun Watson. Seven plaintiffs willingly worked or offered to work with Mr. Watson after their alleged incident. Three plaintiffs lied about the number of sessions they actually had with Mr. Watson. Excuse me. Three plaintiffs lied about their alleged trauma and resulting harm. Five plaintiffs told others they wanted to get money out of Mr. Watson. And the final bullet point, five plaintiffs have scrubbed or entirely deleted their social media accounts. Let's get started. <clears throat> it was not until the plaintiff saw an opportunity for a money grab. This is continuing forward with the document. Uh, it was not until the plaintiff saw an opportunity for money grab that they changed their stories to convert Therapy sessions, they bragged about to friends and family to something much more nefarious. Innocent questions about whether the therapists were comfortable with the therapy Mr. Watson, excuse me, sought, evolved, sorry, that's my phone, let me mute it, into sexual innuendo that the plaintiffs used to bolster their claims for money. Let me mute my phone here, I apologize. For example, in the first lawsuit filed, plaintiff Ashley Solis implies that Mr. Watson's question asking if she's if she was comfortable with certain areas his organization is making him get worked on was somehow sexually suggestive. That makes sense. Let me pause on this. So the evidence that they were talking about, <clears throat> the, the evidence that they had submitted like today or yesterday, um, I was like, this doesn't prove anything. And um, literally, they have the text message. They have the receipts. <laughs> I have, I have, I have the, um, the actual exhibit. And it's exhibit A. Let me just make sure I'm using the legal term. And again, they submitted all of this evidence within... Um, within they, they essentially grouped up every single lawsuit. <clears throat> um, uh, it, it, they essentially grouped up every single lawsuit within the exact same document. So, for example, Exhibit 1 of these court filings is the exact same exhibit for every single court filing. It's essentially supposed, supposed excuse me, to support 
the initial claims that apparently the question of can he get work done on a specific part of his body, uh, she turned it into a sexually suggestive or not a uh, sexually suggestive, excuse me, a sexually explicit thing. Here's the actual text message and I have it. But, 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 but. <clears throat> here's the screenshot of him of like a trainer apparently texting him, I'm guess. Hey, I did look up muscles, lol. So adductor longus and rectus abdominis could be the issue. Totally just my opinion since I can't diagnose. Look at the pics and see if you agree. So those are the two. So those two areas. So those two areas, I'm, I'm guessing he should have said are the, these are text messages again. So spelling and typos and stuff like that are constant. So <clears throat> those, so are those two areas, the areas I have been getting work on or need to be? Okay, never mind. He said it correctly. So that's a, that's a screen cap that he, that he was texting and conversating with apparently a trainer. So then he sends that screenshot to, I'm guessing Ashley Solis. And then he sends her that text message. And then he also texts her this. Had one of my PTs look it up and see where I've been sore and need treatment, but not sure if that's a comfortable area to get with you. And then she says, why you say that? And then that's essentially the evidence. So essentially that's evidence supporting the claim of, <clears throat> the claim of, what was it again? Um, for example, in the first lawsuit filed, plaintiff Ashley Solis implies that Mr. Watson's question asking if she was quote, questionable or not questionable, quote, was comfortable with certain areas his organization is making him get worked on was somehow sexually suggestive. So essentially, they just proved it. They just proved part of their case. They have a lot more to go, and I'm assuming they'll get most of it and they'll drop it soon. But uh, yeah, that uh, considering like literally Deshaun Watson's camp is like the only camp that's actually submitted evidence literally within a week of like understanding who these people are and then like submitting an evidence, like still Tony Busby. And I have their actual cases, not just their physical documents, but actually the, the paperwork that has been submitted like via the Harris County district clerk's office. I have the actual paperwork. So I know all of the paperwork that's been submitted on a case by case basis. And Tony Busby, the, guy that's suing Deshaun Watson and represents the 22 women that have had alleged sexual uh, assault slash rape slash misconduct committed against them. He hasn't submitted any evidence yet. He's thrown out some text messages here and there. Um, most of it doesn't support his case at all, directly or indirectly. And in some ways it directly and even indirectly counters what he's been saying. But um, Tony Busby has done a terrible job of submitting any evidence. Rusty Harden's has done an awesome job right now. Let's continue forward. That same question, however, posed to a therapist not seeking to exploit, and the question was uh, was essentially asking if he was comfortable getting his, essentially his groin worked, right? Because that's what apparently one of the physical therapists from the Houston Texans had essentially told him to get his work done. And they had even sent him like a diagram as well of the actual like, area that he's supposed to get work done and it's like i can't really see the picture because it's it's not really cropped out but they they just wanted to show the text message so i can't really see like i can't really see the the part of his body but it does look like it does look like it's his pelvis to be honest with you and or a region in his pelvis but again i'm not 
I'm, you know, a physical therapist or a masseuse. Continuing forward. Uh, that same question, however, posed to a therapist not seeking to exploit Mr. Watson was perceived as it was intended. A legitimate therapeutic inquiry, Miss Solis's skewed perception of Mr. Watson's legitimate and innocent query became a prototype for the assembly line of similar allegations in subsequent lawsuits. So essentially, they're establishing that all of the lawsuits are essentially the same because Deshaun Watson was asking these masseuses to get work done on his groin. And these um, these masseuses had come out and said, like, yeah, it's weird that he wants to get uh, work done on his, uh, his groin. And he wanted to be naked or whatever. But, again, it seems pretty legitimate that he would want to get work done on his groin being a quarterback and things of that nature. <clears throat> these lawsuits are I – I I, I've never seen this word before in my entire life – replete or replete with mischaracterizations of Mr. Watson's conduct. These range from being misleading to fraudulent to slanderous. Importantly, only two of the 22 lawsuits allege that Mr. Watson forced any type of sexual activity, an allegation Mr. Watson again vehemently denies. And even at this early stage of the litigation, the evidence obtained by the defense clearly supports Mr. Watson's denial of these allegations of force. As plaintiff Shanae Lawson's business manager put it, this is not extortion, it's blackmail. Unfortunately, 21 other women have decided to join her. And again, they have all the names. They know all the women in these cases. So here's the meat and the potatoes. This is the, uh, the thing that's been circulating. Um, if you've been following any social media person, any person that's been covering this, they've been circulating this. They haven't, again, covered it as well as we have. We're going to get into all of it again. Both sides deserve to be heard. We read like three cases. We'll continue forward. In bold, problems with the plaintiff's allegations. Continuing forward. Mr. Watson received the plaintiff's names less than a week ago. Based on, and again, this was probably, this document was probably made less than a week ago, but it was submitted more than a week ago again. And again, think about just like how quick it was to get the, these, these, these pieces of evidence, right? And it's very, very damning if... The evidence is correct, by the way. Like, if they actually can, like, pull this shit off, it's like, this is kind of damning evidence. And again, I'm kind of surprised that nobody's fucking talking about it because of, like, how, like, damning it is to some of these women's allegations. Because it's like, I'll, I'll kind of spoil it for you. Some of their family members are coming out and being like, yeah, uh, they kind of bragged about some of the shit that, um, that, they were, uh, go that, that they were going to do and that they were saying to him. For instance, like, they were talking about apparently blackmailing him for money. So it's like, um, yeah, uh, maybe, uh, maybe people need to fucking look into this before they talk about Deshaun Watson again. Continuing forward, part A. After the massage therapy sessions with Mr. Watson, plaintiffs bragged about praise and were excited to massage Mr. Watson. Plaintiff Shanae Lawson claims in the lawsuit that she is disgusted by Mr. Watson. Yet after her therapy session with him, she bragged to friends and family members about massaging Mr. Watson and told them that she thinks he is a kind person. Hmm. Interesting. A security guard at the spa where Mr. Watson received a massage stated that plaintiff Tanjay, Tanya Johnson was happy and laughing after her interactions with Mr. Watson. She was excited about having worked on him 
It did not want any other therapist to work on him. So essentially, again, uh, Tanje, Tanye Johnson, one of the massage therapists that apparently Deshaun Watson had forced himself on, apparently had a security guard in the spa. Also, apparently didn't want anyone else to work on him as well. Continuing forward, according to a security guard present at the spa after one of plaintiff Marshall Davis's sessions with Mr. Watson. Oh, no, 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 never mind. Oh, no, 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 no. I was right about the security guard with Tanya Johnson, but apparently there's so many fucking security guards at these damn spas. I didn't realize it. Plaintiff Marshall Davis's sessions with Mr. Watson, Miss Davis, was laughing and appeared in good spirits. Another witness characterized Miss Davis as jolly after working with Mr. Watson. I wonder why. And Miss Davis told multiple family members that she would massage Mr. Watson again. She even told people that while she was not into men, because again, she's a lesbian, his body is beautiful and soft, and that if she were not a lesbian, she would have jumped, quote, jumped on Mr. Watson. I'm telling you, man, there's some weird ass shit in this document, and I'm like, if they can prove this shit, I'm t- I told you, like, like, I, like, I, like, I, it, there's some weird ass shit, man. It's like, if they can fucking prove this, and it's like, I don't think they're just pulling this shit out of their ass. It's like, if they can fucking prove this shit, oh my God, dude. If they can prove that she said that, done, over with. Oh my God, dude. Oh my God. Plaintiff Chelsea Bell fails to explain that after the first two therapy sessions, which she alleges were increasingly uncomfortable. She willingly invited Mr. Watson to come to her house for the last two therapy sessions. It's a kind of a weak point, but all right. Plaintiffs Kayla Hayes, Robin Cassie, I can't say her last name, and Kimberly Bryce omitted that after their sessions with Mr. Watson, they told him that they would gladly work with him again. In fact, Kimberly Bryce reported to a close relative that she was thrilled to have had the opportunity to massage Deshaun. Plaintiff Erica Chapman claims that after the initial therapy session, Mr. Watson hounded her about setting up another session. She fails to explain that she eagerly showed up to Mr. Watson's house to give him another massage before he even had a chance to book an appointment. Mm, mm, mm. The plot thickens. Part B. Plaintiffs willingly worked or offered to work with Mr. Watson after the alleged incidents. At least five of the plaintiffs chose to work with Mr. Watson. First and foremost, how did they, how did Rusty Harden find this shit out? I was like, when I was reading this document, I was, how did he find this stuff out? Who did he talk to? It was, and, and, and I was surprised at just how quick. Like, how quick it was. It was it's like less than a week. It's like, dude, like, how did you find, find this stuff out? It happened like less than a week. You got the names and, he, and he, he's getting family members. He's getting, you know, bodyguards at spas. He knows where they work. He, like, it's like he's Santa Claus. He's like, he's everywhere. He sees where they are. He gets information about who they are, who they interact with, friends, family members, co-workers, managers, bosses, employees, you know, like, like all this other information. I mean, I, 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 I just don't know where he gets it from. Goodness gracious, man. Continuing forward, at least five of the plaintiffs chose to work with Mr. Watson even after they claim he acted offensively and aggressively in prior sessions. Erica Chapman, Kaylin 
Harrington, Rebecca Nagy, yeah, Toy Gardner, and Chelsea Bell. This, of course, raises the question of why they would agree to follow up therapy sessions when they claim their experiences made them feel like, and I love that Rusty Harden turns their own words against them. I just love it. Quote, uh, excuse me. When they claimed their experiences made them feel like they, quote, wanted to vomit and caused them to, quote, no longer accept massage clients for fear of a repeat of this type of harassment. Literally takes words from the lawsuits, put them in his lawsuit, pimps their own words to his own benefit. That's what I call an absolute boss. Rusty Harden, shout out. Plaintiff Tanji Johnson claims she was fearful and felt violated, terrified, and disgusted after her therapy sessions with Mr. Watson. She does not explain why then, on more than one occasion, she messaged him after his football games to check in on him and asked him to massage him again. Hello, goodbye. Contrary to plaintiff Chris Style, Da Rosa's, claimed that she was so disturbed by what allegedly occurred that she chose not to contact Mr. Watson about receiving the rest of the payment for the session. The evidence shows that after the alleged incident, she didn't, she did attempt to contact Mr. Watson and even asked to work on him again, work with him again. Continuing court. In stark contrast to plaintiff Kaylin Harrington's Statement that after the alleged incident, she told Mr. Watson that she, quote, would not work for him, <clears throat> excuse me, work for him, and, quote, has not been able to move on from these experiences. She contacted Mr. Watson multiple times, telling him that she was attracted to him and wanted to go out on dates with him. Oh, my God. Oh, that, oh, you sly silver fox, you, you rusty Harden. Again, I, I don't have the evidence for it, but considering, like, the first thing that he alleged, he automatically submitted evidence for, and he automatically proved, I cannot wait to see the affidavits, because he's going to get testimonies from certain people, he's going to get family members, he's going to get co-workers, he's going to get bosses, he's going to get friends, he's going to get probably people from Deshaun Watson's camp, he's going to, I told you, I told you, what did I say last month? I said it around this time last month when the first filing was filed. I said there should be text messages, there should be Instagram DMs, there should be things that I can tie Deshaun Watson to very easily. Tony Busby has failed to do that in the last month. Rusty Harden does it in less than a week. Hello, goodbye. Kaylin Harrington apparently wanted to go out on a date with Deshaun. Very easy to prove. Got the text messages to show it apparently. We'll see what happens in the next couple of days. Part C, plaintiffs lied about the number of sessions they actually had with Mr. Watson. The following plaintiffs failed to mention they had more therapy sessions with Mr. Watson than what they pleaded. Kayla Hines, uh, Ro Robinita Miller, and Robin Casido. Presumably, the, these plaintiffs minimized their interactions with Wa Mr. Watson because these facts undermine their allegations. Hello. Part B, plaintiffs lied about their alleged trauma and resulting harm, continuing forward. 
by the way, that fucking dumbass Michael Florio apparently said, well, the lawsuit doesn't mention Ashley Solis at all in the document. And it's like, hey, dumbass, maybe if you read the document from, you know, from the start to the end, maybe you would have seen that he literally mentions her multiple times throughout the article or excuse me, throughout the legal document starting at part uh, part D, excuse me, of the uh, of the dark uh, of the document. Oh my god, I can't talk for some re reason. Plaintiff Ashley Solis claimed during a news conference that she can quote no longer practice the profession that she loves the most without shaking during a session. Yet publicly available information shows that she has provided multiple massages after the alleged incident with Mr. Watson. Indeed, not only is she still accepting clients, but according to those who have worked with her, she did not show any signs of trauma during these sessions. While plaintiff Toy Garner claims that by the end of the massage, she has she was, quote, sweating and, quote, there was nowhere for her to go. She neglects to mention she had multiple family members in the home and nearby during both massage sessions. Plaintiff <clears throat> Marshall Davis alleges that, quote, she was alone at the spa in fear for her life during her therapy sessions with Mr. Watson. However, a security guard hired by the spa was present at the spa at all times and capable of intervening in an incident had it, in fact, occurred. Part E, plaintiffs told others they wanted to get money out of Mr. Watson. This is the fucking nail in the coffin, ladies. I get it. We're, we're very, it's, it's a very, very long time. Again, I, 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 I just got to get it out there. It's very important because this stuff, if he proves it, can exonerate Deshaun Watson like that. Part E, plaintiffs told others they wanted money to get out of Mr. Watson. Plaintiff, Marshall Davis told close family members that if Mr. How did he find out close family members? I, 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 Rusty Harden, goodness gracious, all over the place. <clears throat> Plaintiff Marshall Davis told close family members that if Mr. Watson's attorney had paid her, she would have supported him instead of suing him. Paid her. And she would have come out supporting him instead of suing him. Isn't that ironic? She also told her family that she had contemplated blackmailing Mr. Watson. Again, you proved that nail in the fucking coffin. Plaintiff Cristile Da Rosa told a witness that the only reason she was getting involved in the lawsuit was for money. She even laughed about it and stated that she wanted to, quote, get in on the action. Plaintiff Shanae Lawson admittedly sought to blackmail Mr. Watson. This is a paragraph for you, folks. Before she filed suit, she asked him to pay her $30,000 for indefinite silence because her encounter would be embarrassing if revealed. More importantly, when Mr. Watson's marketing manager, Brian Burney, asked her whether she was claiming that something happened against her will, she confirmed that everything that occurred was consensual. One of the alligators that is apparently accusing Deshaun Watson of forceful sexual encounters. Finally, she told Mr. Bernie that she wanted a copy of the NDA, the non-disclosure agreement that she and Mr. Watson signed because she did not want people in her industry to know she had provided oral sex to her massage client, which is a big no-no in the masseuse game. Evidence of her concerns is contained in Mr. Bernie's affidavit 
and a contemporaneous tape recording of a phone conversation. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! That must be hearted! Oh my goodness, that, every, I, I, that must, if I get into trouble one day, I'm calling up my guy, Rusty Harden. I'm saying, Rusty, get your ass down here from Houston. Get your ass down to Florida. Get on a first-class plane, a jet. Get on down here, represent 24's podcast. Oh my goodness. Where did he find that? They got a tape recording of that girl. They got a tape recording of her. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. They got a tape recording of that girl. Witnesses state, continuing forward, witnesses state that plaintiff Kimberly Bryce has a history. Check this shit out. Check this. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh. That going rusty hard. And he's got a, he's, I mean, God, God darn it. Oh, my, check this out. Check this out. Witnesses state that plaintiff Kimberly Bryce has a history of forcing herself on celebrities. She's got a history. She's got a history of forcing herself on celebrities. Quote, chasing celebrities and running behind. Check this shit out. High profile athletes. They also describe her as being, oh my God. What a surprise, quote, out of money, and quote, a money grabber. I told you, didn't I tell you I got to read this entire document? I told you, I, 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 I just got to do it. Continuing forward, part E, this is about Ashley Silly. Shout out to that idiot Michael Florio, that dumbass. Can't even be bothered to read a fucking court document. Continuing forward, during one of the press conferences, Mr. Busby held regarding the case, plaintiff Ashley Solis claimed that she was not filing suit for monetary reasons, but rather because, quote, this is about her having her voice heard. It is about having other survivors' voices heard. Be lying or belaying. Her assertion, though, Miss Solis would have abandoned her voice and being the voice of other alleged, quote, survivors if Mr. Watson would agree to pay her a hundred G's. And that's exactly, and I, and I, I love that Rusty Harden just integrated that into the document because that's what Tony Busby had wanted two months ago in February. He's like, to keep this quiet, to keep this hush-hush, do you want to know what my client wants? A hundred grand. Deshaun Watson said no. He kept all the, uh, the he kept all the allegations. I got him pulled up. I, I got him. I got him. I actually got him. I actually got the case. Where is it? Where is it? I got it somewhere. Where is it? Ba, 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 ba. Here it is. It's an email communication with Cornelia Branfield Harvey, which is a lawyer for Tony Busby, right? So it's, uh, I'm not going to read the entire like transcribe, uh, trans transcription, but essentially <clears throat> she's, she's emailing Deshaun Watson's uh, uh, agent, right? And this is the email. Hi, Scott. Thank you for touching base. We have had time to discuss this option amongst ourselves and with our client, and we are willing to move forward with settlement negotiations without a mediator because originally they had wanted a mediator in the settlement allegations in February, right? 
So here's here's the here's the nail in the fucking coffin, and they have the document to prove it too. They have the emails. Therefore, my client's demand is a hundred thousand dollars. Please let us know, Mr. Watson's response. Sincerely, Cornelia Branfield Harvey. They got him. They fucking got him. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Part F. Plaintiffs have scrubbed or entirely deleted their social media accounts and the relevant evidence they contained. Each of the plaintiff's peti petitions, excuse me, contain a paragraph warning Mr. Watson to preserve relevant information, or excuse me, evidence, including digital information. Without question, Mr. Watson has and will continue to do so. However, the plaintiffs have failed to heed their own warning. Failed to heed their own warning. Hold on. I'm watching this scary-ass movie. This trailer for this scary-ass movie, I don't know what it's about. It's kind of interesting. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Sorry, I got distracted. I get distracted all the time. I apologize. Going back. Heed their own warning. At least four plaintiffs, Cristal, DeRosa, LaToya, Johnson Hanks, Tavy Turner, and Marshall Davis have altered the accounts where they advertised the services that Mr. Watson acquired before their names became public. Their accounts contain pictures that are inconsistent with the image they portray through their petitions. The, these items are no longer posted to their accounts. Plaintiff Kimberly Bryce took the destruction of evidence even further by completely deleting her Instagram account. And ladies and gentlemen, this is the real nail in the coffin. I talked about multiple nails in coffins. This is the big one, and I love that Rusty Harden tied this into this case. Plaintiff Kimberly Bryce took the destruction of evidence even further by completely deleting her Instagram account, which again is the account she claims to use to market her services and the one that Mr. Watson used to contact her and hire her for her for a massage. Because in every single lawsuit that's been filed, ladies and gentlemen, every single time it was Deshaun Watson would reach out to the... I got... Let me just pull up a random case. Let me just pull up a random... I'll pull up the eighth case. I don't know which one this is because this is before they got their names. Let me read you a little bit. Boom, here we go. Plaintiff offers body work and stretch therapy services in Houston, Texas. She was taking classes with the hopes of becoming a licensed massage therapist one day. She markets her business through Instagram and contains, excuse me, and obtains clients in that manner. She also has a website for her business. Plaintiff has been in the business since 2020. She is a professional and has never had any issues prior to experience experiencing Deshaun Watson's conduct. <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> Again, they market their business through Instagram. Why would you delete your Instagram if you market your business through Instagram? Why don't you delete it? You know, it's funny, right? It's funny that Deshaun Watson isn't deleting his stuff. He's not deleting his messages, his DMs. His, it's, it's funny that he hasn't deleted his account yet, that he hasn't scrubbed his media. And it's like you see all these alleged victims and 
kind of suspicious that they're scrubbing their Instagram accounts and their social media accounts, isn't it? Isn't that a little bit ironic? The guy that's being accused isn't scrubbing his accounts. Girls that are doing the accusing are. Before their names got out. Or, excuse me, after their names got out. Because, remember, it wasn't before their names got out. It was when they were hiding in the veil of anonymity. Right? When they were anonymous, it was all right. But it was only when their names got out that they then were like, we got to fucking delete everything. Or we got to scrub our accounts. Hmm. Isn't that ironic? Isn't that Interesting. Nobody led their shows with this. Nobody talked about it. That's okay. We will. We did. We will. We'll continue. Pursuant to Texas Rule of Civil Procedure 92, Watson genuinely, generally, excuse me, denies the allegations and claims set forth in plaintiff's original petition and demands strict proof thereof by a preponderance of the evidence and clear and convincing evidence as required by the Constitution and laws of the state of Texas. Jury demand. Mr. Watson requests a jury trial and submits the applicable fee contemporaneous with this filing prayer because the plaintiff's claims lack a basis in law or fact. Mr. Watson prays that she take nothing by reason of this suit, that all relief requested by plaintiff be denied, that Mr. Watson recovers his cost of court and expenses and for all other relief to which he is entitled. Respectfully submitted, Rusty Harden and Associates. I certify that a true and correct copy of the foregoing instrument has been surveyed upon the plaintiff by e-service on April 19th, 2021, pursuant to Rule 21A. Rusty Harden. Fantastic job by Rusty Harden. Fantastic job by Deshaun Watson by finding a lawyer that can represent him. Again, very, very little evidence has been submitted in support of Deshaun. But if they can get, gather all of these, you know, testimonies, these evidence, these affidavits, they can get all this stuff. They can get it going. Oh, my God. Talk about just an apology tour for the media. Or more specifically, let me take a swig. my water i just had a freaking gulp it down let me take another one. Oh my god try like talking energetically for like 80 minutes without taking a big gulp of water i needed that but again the media they'll go on a lack of apology tour they'll just you know run his name through the mud and then um victim blame i love how like People are essentially victim-blaming Deshaun Watson and saying, well, what about the masseuses? What about how, man how many masseuses he has? It's like, already? It's like, all right. Keep on doing the exact same thing. Keep on doing the exact same thing. Should I get into Mike Florio? Should I get into Mike Florio? To be honest with you, I don't... I, 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 he, he's a lightweight. He's a lightweight. I don't really need to cover him, so I won't. <clears throat> I got to do a load of clothes. I got to do a load of clothes. I'll be back in a couple of minutes after I like, you know, switch out the laundry, stuff like that. I got to, you know, I got to play a quick little song. I got to play a quick little, hold on. 
Hold on. Two seconds. <clears throat> Two seconds. Hold on. Wait a second. Hold on a minute. Another, like, couple of seconds. I got an ad. <laughs> I'm like, I got an ad. I, 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 I got an ad. I can't help it. I'm sitting here staring at my, my freaking computer. I'm like, hey, computer, can you not give me a fucking ad? Kind of need you to step through. Come through. Come on now. I'll be back in a couple minutes, ladies and gentlemen, right here. One of Wars podcast. kind of <clears throat> I kind of wanted to get into you know the light it, it, it this song if you don't know it's from Game of Thrones it's the song that we opened with at the beginning of of the podcast you may be wondering how it's it sounds so different that's the point it's an orchestral masterpiece from a TV show it ramps up 
it goes through its progressions. It takes its time. We're in like three minutes of a nine minute song. It's beautiful. I love it so much. I could, I remember when I was like literally like preparing for the podcast. <clears throat> I was like literally listening to it and I had to like put my book down as I was like waiting for the right moment, waiting for it to like pick up and crescendo and then decrescendo and then like, uh, like speed up the tempo and get out of this part. And then it's like you, the first part is like the violin or the string instrument. It's the dun 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 I think it happens around this time, like four or five minutes into the song. I'm not really sure. I'm gonna fast forward. Is it right here? No, 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 no. This is where it picks up with like the 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 uh, the kids, and then the kids come in and they see, and then they sing their part, and then they dip out, and then the violins come in with the piano, and in fact, you can kind of hear the pian, not the piano, the the violin in the background just a little bit. Where's the part where the violins come in? Boom, here it is, here it is, hold on. Boom, here it is, here it is. It comes in literally, I was like 30 to 40 seconds late. string instrument and then they lose the orchestral kids and even the organ and then they get they bring back the piano for like a couple more minutes and then they bring in the dun 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 dun, dun with the violin it's an organ piano they get, bring in the organ they bring back the violin both are going to go away and then it's going to go back to the piano and then this is i believe the part i think this is the part that i was playing for you and in fact we can kind of go a little bit past this like 30 seconds and it's like it's almost the same I think melody is the term 
and then they bring back in the organs and then for the powerful explosion just just wait here it comes here it comes This to me, this song embodies Game of Thrones to like the perfect T. Not the perfect T, but like perfectly, excuse me. Embodies the TV show, embodies everything. Perfection, artistic flair, bringing back a little bit of the old and mixing it with a little bit of new and fantastic development. I get it. The ending wasn't very great. But oh man, was it a great, it was a great ride when it was, well, while it lasted. An absolute masterpiece. Oh my gosh. I think it's called The Light of Seven. I have no idea what his name is shout out to the artist though great great guy i gotta you know i'm not really that into you know orchestral music i i can i, I took a class about it in college by the way it, like it's weird it's weird like some of those classes that i took a music appreciation class kind of a blow-off class but if you like took it seriously you got a lot of bang for your buck you know you learned how to appreciate music you know, the classical type of stuff. I thought it was going to be more modern, but it was more classical, and I really enjoyed it. It was fantastic. I loved it a lot. It was fantastic. It was so much fun. You literally just listened to music, and you commented on it, and it was an easy A. It was essentially you showed up, you did the homework. It was an easy A, you know? It was so much fun to listen to. Taught me how to appreciate classical music. As a modern guy, I think there should be like, you know, a classical musical course in every single high school. And then there should be a modern, you know, I mean, maybe not in high school because it's like a lot of a lot of the modern music is, you know, I, it depends on who. I think Kendrick Lamar is is fantastic, but, you know, you can't teach Kendrick Lamar in high school. You know what I'm saying? Because of all the curse words and things of that nature. <laughs> <laughs> like you can't, you can't really say it. You can't really teach it, I guess. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, I was gonna play Mike Florio, but then it's like he's a loser. I'm not gonna play him. I'm done. It's like what do I gotta? I gotta do to quote Mike Florio. Awesome job by um Rusty Hardin. After the um, after the court filings, he also had this statement. I have no idea where people found this statement. Usually, he releases this on his website. Um, I cannot find this statement on his website. Still, can't find it. Um, but the statement, I'm guessing officially or unofficially, is 
Today, we answered the lawsuits filed against our client, Deshaun Watson. Mr. Watson has been adamant that he did not engage in any improper conduct, and we strongly believe him. Therefore, the answer to the question of whether we are saying that all 22 plaintiffs are lying about the allegations of sexual misconduct by Mr. Watson is a resounding yes. They believe that they're lying. We and Mr. Watson take allegations of sexual misconduct against women very seriously, as we all should. We have waited to respond to the numerous allegations made by Mr. Busby and his clients until we could responsibly investigate. In the few days since his accusers' names have been revealed as was required by Texas law, we are discovering an avalanche of false accusations. Only two of these 22 lawsuits allege forced sexual activity, which Mr. Watson vehemently denies. In the case of Shanae Lawson, her business manager acknowledged to Mr. Watson's marketing manager that the contact was consensual, but she still wanted money. I think this is one of the women that had apparently <clears throat> that had apparently wanted to um, what was it I, that that apparently wanted the non-disclosure agreement. So that way people wouldn't figure out that she was given uh, blowjobs underneath or on the table. I'm not really sure which. Because it's not necessarily very professional. And in the case, continuing forward, and in the case of Marshall Davis, witnesses state that Miss Davis was happy and excited. I wonder why. And it, uh, after she massaged Mr. Watson, she lied about being uh, being alone, excuse me, at the spa with him. She knew that there was a security guard present at all times when Mr. Watson was there. In addition, she told witnesses that if Mr. Watson had paid her off, she would have supported him instead of suing him. I hope everyone will take a fair and measured look at these accusations. They didn't. They won't. As we go forward in these cases, we certainly welcome anyone with relevant information to contact us. We do not expect to make any other comment today. The next hearing in this case is scheduled for Thursday afternoon. We will wait Thursday afternoon. We'll see what happens. I'm not going to give you information every single day or every single week about what's going on with the case. It's like, yeah, I'll keep you up posted because uh, before the case, remember, whole concept of why people thought this was kind of fishy and kind of weird was because this happened right around the time free agency had opened up. And this is after a couple of months of Deshaun Watson being like, hey, um, I don't want to be a Houston Texan anymore because uh, people lied to me and they hired David Culley. Like if the whole Deshaun Watson thing, and again, I, I stand by the statement, if the whole Deshaun Watson thing hadn't have been like, you know, hadn't have hadn't have happened. We would be talking about how terrible of an offseason the Houston Texans have had with Nick Casario and David Culley. And then I went in and I like looked at how many draft picks they actually have this year, bro. They have fuck all. They have like one in the second round. Now it's not even in the second round. It's like in the third round. It's like the sixty seventh pick. And then they have one oh nine and then one forty seven, which are essentially like third and fourth round picks. 158, another fourth rounder, a fifth rounder in like 195, 203, and 212, and then like 
the seventh in seventh or sixth round or two three three like they don't have any good draft picks and it's like hey casario um probably should have traded him away before you fucking talk to your owner and slandered his name i'm just saying would have been a lot smarter a lot smarter <clears throat> houston i said it hold on i like said it last year i was like houston has like a really really bad like draft or not has a bad draft excuse me had a bad draft last year holy shit portland beat los angeles without damian lillard some people are going to say, well, well, Los Angeles, Los Angeles Clippers, by the way, the Los Angeles Clippers, they didn't have Kawhi, but they did have like all of their starters, like Rondo and like Paul George and like all these other players, bro. It's like one. And even DeMarcus Cousins. Remember how like everybody was like DeMarcus Lawrence, DeMarcus Cousins is like one of the best players in basketball. And I kind of thought he was as well, like one of the best centers. And it's like, yeah, um, I don't really know how true that is, but now but, uh, yeah, he's not really doing a whole lot right now. Not gonna lie. Anyways, um, yeah, Houston should have traded Deshaun Watson weeks ago, if not months ago. Um, I don't know why they thought that they could bully him into potentially staying with him. Allegedly, I don't really know. Um, it, it, it's, it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous that, like, literally I kind of have to, like, sit here and be like, yeah, you know, Deshaun Watson didn't do it after, like, months of saying, I don't really believe that he did this, and... Now you have a mountain of evidence and allegations by Rusty Harden. Again, he has to prove all this stuff, and it's just allegations and things of that nature. But, I mean, he's done more to officially disprove Tony Busby's case than Tony Busby has to prove his case, to be honest with you. And then I, like, I was going to play some clips from, like, Michael Florio and how he was talking about how, like, this is all for publicity and stuff like that. And, um, and how apparently Rusty Harden was like trying to settle out of court with the alleged victims. And it's like, it's like in another time, in another universe, I would have just fucking called him a whole bunch of terrible names and stuff like that, that are not okay today. But, um, you know, I'm educated and I'm not five years old and I'll stay, you know, not complete asshole and not complete douchebag. However, um, that does not mean that Michael Florio is not a complete dipshit and has no idea what he's fucking talking about. I 1000% stand by that. Like he is a complete fucking moron. <clears throat> Anyways, what else do I got for you today? Yeah, the whole like, what was revealed today or a couple of days ago? There's this list about like, Jerry Jones is like, you know, Jerry Jones is a top 20 GM of all time. And the yard barker had like ranked him as the second overall. And I was like, fucking how? How the fuck can he be like, I don't get it. The media loves Jerry Jones way too much. It's like, I'm like, fucking how? Literally, he has not been back at all to, like, to, like, the uh, the championship game, like, in the last 25 fucking years. 25 years. He hasn't been back to a championship game. He's only been to, he, he, he's only won, like, 
a playoff. He's only won three playoff games, excuse me, in the last 25 years. And then worse yet, he had one of the most mediocre and worse. It, like, like I, I don't know where this whole, well, you know, this guy didn't have a losing season. And it's like, yeah, well, this motherfucker didn't have a winning season. He only he had three seasons that weren't winning seasons. I consider that having a losing season. I hate fucking ties. He's had a shit ton of ties as the GM of the Cowboys, especially with Jason Garrett. And then again, very, very few playoff wins. People, one, one guy, what was it? It was the Sean and RJ show. They were talking about it. And somebody had like an awesome comment about it. They had said like he, he's missed years where he's had like consecutive, <clears throat> consecutive, like 10, um, 10 win seasons and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, like he's missing some shit. He's missing accolades that like good GMs have had and People are going to tell me, well, what about the three Super Bowls? And it's like, well, what about the fucking three Super Bowls? They happened in the 90s. Bro, it's 2021. If you're bringing up the three Super Bowls, I don't know what to tell you. Excuse me. You're living in the Stone Angers, you know? Tom Brady wasn't even in the league yet. And sorry to say this, he lucked into the Cowboys. I'll say it. He lucked into the Cowboys. He lucked into Charles Haley. He lucked into Deion Sanders. We know that for a fact. Do you want to know why? Because he has been nowhere close to the level that he was at in the 90s. That's how I know that he was lucky. Look at what happened after Jimmy left. Oh, yeah, they won one Super Bowl with a fucking loaded 90s Cowboys team. And then they didn't go anywhere else. Like, I, I, I just don't, I don't get it, you know? I really, I really don't understand why people defend him so fucking hard. And the, the dumb thing about that quote, that article, was that they didn't have Bill Belichick on it. Or Bill Walsh. Or actually, I think they did have Bill Walsh. Let me correct myself. Did they have Bill Walsh? First and foremost, Ozzie Newsom is way better as a GM than Jerry. Kept the Baltimore Ravens. Um, competitive. What? And then Carl Peterson. It's like, what the fuck, dude? Carl Peterson, like, hold on. The Chiefs resided off the competitive radar for most of the 1970s and 80s. Peterson's 1989 arrival restored the former AFL power to an upper echelon AFC operation almost immediately. But they didn't win any championships. How can you be a how can you be the fourth best GM of all time and not win any championships? That doesn't make any sense. I like I I I don't I don't I don't get it. I'm looking for Bill Walsh. John Snyder is a is is before Mickey Loomis and who's the Saints current GM? And Bill Walsh, John Snyder, John fucking Snyder. Where's Bill Walsh? Ozzie Newsom. I know Bill Walsh was like the head coach. But I mean, technically he acted like a GM, I guess. I don't know. I mean, they had, they had Policy, who was the GM during the 80s and the 90s. So I guess that's fine. But I mean, it was Bill Walsh's philosophies on, you know, on like, players and releasing players two years before 
you know, um, two years before they, they were competitively, competitively unviable. After policy was with the 49ers for much of the 80s dynasty, his time with autonomy came in the 90s. Yeah, like, like it was mostly Bill Walsh, and it's like Bill Walsh isn't on the list. And not Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is, is the... Like, like Bill Belichick to me is the greatest GM of all time, in my opinion. Because it's like 20 years, six Super Bowls. Ridiculous. But it's like, I don't know what people judge people on. I judge people on winning seasons and championships and playoff wins. But people are like, well, you can't judge him off of playoff wins. You can't judge, judge him off of consecutive 10-win seasons because he's never done that. And he's barely won his division. He's won five division divisional titles. I think two of them are with Dak. Or three, right? Two? Yeah, two. What? Here, here's the comment. Shout out to Suaved. It's literally his name. So he breaks it down like this. Here's the actual comment. Okay, 2003 to 2020 is 18 seasons. Over that span, won five division titles one, once roughly every four years is not really impressive. I 1,000% agree. Even with Andy Reid. Like, Andy Reid, like, it, Dallas should have fucking dominated the 2010s because it's like Chip Kelly and Jay Gruden and uh, Tom Coughlin and his old ways were in that division. And, I mean, all those teams were easy to pounce on, but Dallas had fucking Jason Garrett. So, of course, they sucked dick for 10 fucking years uh, in the 2010s. Uh, continuing forward, eight, eight non-winning seasons. So, it's eight and eight, essentially. So, it's eight, eight, eight and eight we, uh, seasons, excuse me, which is fitting for the Dallas Cowboys. So, yeah, oh, yeah, they, they, they had a lot of non-winning seasons. Fucking eight and eight, or excuse me, non-losing seasons, but they also had half of their seasons almost be eight and eight seasons have only had consecutive playoff seasons once 2006 and 2007 real impressive have yet to win 10 games in consecutive seasons had five additional opportunities to win the division division title all they had to do was win their final regular season game or win in week 16 2019 and they failed every single time from 2011 to 2013 every other team in the NFC East took their turns in week 17, preventing the Dallas Cowboys from winning the division title and sending them home. These are the three consecutive years that Jason Garrett should have been fired. He was not. He got extended. Losing their quarterback to injuries is not an excuse to rationalize having a losing record. It kind of is. He's going to mention the Saints. In 2019, the Saints lost Drew Brees for five games, yet Teddy Bridgewater came off the bench and had a whopping 5-0 record in Brees' absence. If your team is so top-heavy that when your starter goes down, you don't have quality backup, it doesn't matter about the backup quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater is a is a unicorn of a backup quarterback. Don't have quality backup to come in and win more games, then he loses. That points to your inability to build sustainable depth to still be able to compete. But you don't need to build sustainable depth at the quarterback position. You just need to build a winning roster around him. And you should be fine. That's the whole concept behind the Saints. Teddy Bridgewater didn't really do a whole lot. And they didn't ask him to do a whole lot. They just put the football team on Alvin Kamara on the defense, and they won a whole bunch of football games. Also, their competition was kind of bad as well. Continuing forward. Even last year, the division was so bad that the Cowboys, despite the loss— Oh, yeah, by the way, he doesn't talk about 2020, which they uh, the Saints lost to the Eagles, by the way, um, in 2020 with Taysom Hill at backup. 
Uh, even last, continuing forward, even last year, the division was so bad that the Cowboys, despite the loss of Dak, still had a chance to win the division, but failed because the team had a horrible defense and below average quarterback play. I concur. Jerry Jones is not a top 10 or top 20 GM. His accomplishments are skewed because most of it came early in his administration. I 1000% agree with that. But as previously mentioned, to go 25 years without at least a conference championship appearance is unforgivable. And, uh, excuse me, is unforgivable considering this team's history. I 1000% agree. Remember, if you're not, you know, on the up and up with, like, uh, Gil, with Cowboy history, it's like Gil Brandt, who is the GM, <clears throat> uh, who was the GM of the Cowboys, uh, essentially the, at the start of the Cowboys and until, like, the 1990s dynasty where Jerry became the GM for the Cowboys, Gil Brandt was awesome. And, um, he had consistently had championship appearances throughout his tenure, even when the Cowboys were quote unquote bad with the, uh, in the eighties with Danny white, they still went to the conference championship. They just didn't go to the Super Bowl. Um, so like, I no, is, is fucking, is he as, is, is Jerry as good as people say he is absolutely fucking not. No, he is not. He is, he is terrible. <laughs> he's, he's really, really bad. As a GM, I, I, again, I don't get it. I don't get the whole, I don't get the perspective. I don't get the weird fascination with them. I don't get the weird obsession with them. I don't get the, the fucking, I, I, I don't, I don't get it, man. I don't get it. We'll talk about, dra uh, by the way, we're an hour and 20 minutes in. We'll talk about draft stuff tomorrow, not tonight. Cause it's just, it, you know, we're just getting long. Just getting long in the day. We're getting long in the tooth. I'm not going to talk about video games. <clears throat> but, um, goodness gracious, Natalie Dormer is 35 years old in 2016. I mean, she's 40 now, right? There's no way Natalie Dormer is 40 years old. Because it's like I was listening. Yeah, she's like 39 years old. I'm like, holy shit, dude. She looks so young. I was like, she must be in her fucking 20s. What? My fucking mind is blown. Oh my god, dude. Shout out Natalie Dormer. She was awesome in Game of Thrones as Marjorie Tyrell. Oh, dude. She's 40 years old? That doesn't make any sense. She like she looks like she's my age. She looks literally as if she is in her early 20s and she's almost in her early she's almost 40. She's 39. She's almost 20. Like, and she has, I, 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 don't, I don't, like some people, it's just like, it's just weird how young certain people look in like a good way. Not in like, oh man, that's weird in like a bad way that she looks that young. It's just so weird. She doesn't look like she's 30 and she's like 39, dude. Like what? I don't know. Anyways, that like, 
reading a comment about like how Natalie Dormer was like 39, completely disco, it was like 35, completely discombobulated my train of thought. Shout out to her. She's awesome. Love Natalie Dormer. Shout out. Big shout out. Um, anyways, we were talking about, you know, draft, maybe not draft, but like the lateness and stuff like that. Maybe not the lateness, but just, um, Jared Jones and now he's not like a top 20, uh, not 20, excuse me. Yeah. How he's not like a top 20 fucking GM ever. He's not, he's terrible. Um, fucking, can I like, can I get a Super Bowl? In my lifetime, because I don't have a Super Bowl in my lifetime, or more specifically, I don't have a Super Bowl that I remember in my lifetime. So, as somebody who is a millennial who has not seen the Dallas Cowboys play in and then win a Super Bowl, I would appreciate it if I then saw the Dallas Cowboys play in and then win said Super Bowl, which I feel like is not that much to ask, but... Apparently, like, I don't, again, I don't know the standard, and I like, I don't know which one is which in Sean and RJ, but I like the other one, the guy that was wearing glasses in that video. I like him as a commentator, and it's just like, I I don't understand how he can tell me that fucking, he's a top 20 GM ever when he hasn't even, like, he hasn't won a Super Bowl in 25 fucking years. I don't, I don't get it. I really, really don't. Oh, God. Anyways. Is Jerry Jones a top 20 GM? No, he's not. No, absolutely not. But, um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm, where I'm at. <clears throat> I'm watching this kind of transitioning. I got to take a swig. Sorry about that. So I'm watching this video. Shout out to, I think it's called My Cowboys Family. Shout out to them. I'm watching this video on their YouTube channel right now. Again, very, very low attention span sometimes. Uh, some people in my family hate it. I apologize. But watching this video right now that they uploaded, please don't tell me they have the instrumental. Yes, they do. I don't like the intro. I just wish that they wouldn't play the instrumental sometimes. But shout out to them. Um, my Cowboys family. Yeah, I got, hold on. I got to figure out where the, where the actual video is. Because it's just, do they link it? <clears throat> it's, um, no. Um, anyways, there's been these videos of Ezekiel Elliott and like Tony Pollard. I would play the sound, but I just, I don't want to play the instrumental and I don't want to Google it. My voice is, I'm already starting to kind of lose my voice here. But Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott, Rico Dowdle, and Blake Jarwin were all doing these like different running back drills to kind of like 
practice essentially them cutting and stuff like that with the objective essentially to work on their footwork. And at first I was like, this kind of looks like the footwork king. Ramondre. Sorry. I'm so sorry. That is disgusting. It just freaking like shot out of me like a fucking cannon. Just like I just opened my mouth and I had the urge to burp. Was it? What's his name? The footwork king. What's his name? It's Rashad Whitfield, right? I think it is, right? I think that's his name. I got an ad. I'm like, I'm trying to look at the video. I don't know who it is. Do they have the actual name? No. Uh, no, they, they do not. I got a 15 second ad, so I couldn't skip it. <clears throat> Hold on. I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah, it's Rashad Whitfield. So Rashad Whitfield is a quote-unquote movement specialist that essentially specializes in footwork. Like a movement specialist may sound like some hippy-dippy shit, but no, it's it's legitimate. He focuses on footwork and things of that nature. He ascribes to a lot of what I subscribe to, and um, it's separation for wide receivers and footwork and things of that nature. And he understands it at a very, very high level, which is why I'm like, yeah, I, I 1000%, you know, subscribe to what he believes in because he, you know, he believes in, it's not about speed. It's about agility and creating separation and things of that nature. Way too many people are getting hyped up about this video. And it was like, when I was watching this video with, um, it, um with, with this other guy, I was like, this kind of looks like a Rashad Whitfield workout, but it, it's not obviously it's something a little bit different and again it's just them practicing cuts and stuff like that and i could tell like from watching zeke his footwork was terrible it's like somebody it's not okay it's not rico dado it's somebody else i was like yeah zeke's footwork is terrible like versus where like some other running backs are like even tony I don't really know the the, uh, the purpose of the exercise, but there was like times where I was like, oh yeah, Tony is moving better than Zeke. Even this other guy is kind of moving better when it comes to cutting and getting to like the outside better than like Zeke. And it's just, you can tell that Zeke really hasn't honed in on his, on his mechanics. At least I can. And this is like one of the, one of probably the first off seasons that I, that Zeke has definitely like put in, real work it looks like at least early on I don't know if it'll translate because again he's it's it's like he's been in the he's been in the league for half a decade technically a little bit over that and um this looks like the first time that he's actually worked purely on his mechanics because he hasn't needed to uh because of his speed his explosion and his power and he should work on his mechanics a lot more because and he really should have worked on his mechanics way earlier because you know, it could have preserved him. But it looks like he's working on his mechanics now, and he looks fine. So, hopefully he, like, works for the entirety of the summer, but, like, this is going to take years to work on. It's not like he'll just be better this offseason just by this, like, drill, or by these drills that they're running. Also, by the way, something that's not being discussed at all, Blake Jarwin, the tight end that got hurt last year in, like, 
um, in the first game of the regular season. He got hurt, and uh, he's out there. Nobody's talking about how he just recovered from, like, an AC an ACL injury, I believe, and he's out there fucking doing the exact same shit. I have no idea why he's out here, to be honest with you. He's not a running back. He's a tight end, and he doesn't, like... I mean, I guess to be elusive, more elusive, but it's like, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I mean, there you go. It's Zeke. I mean, technically, you can't hear any of it, but it's like, it's essentially just Zeke and the guys just running around and stuff like that. But, yeah, it looks good for some of them. Like, let me put it to you like this, right? For everybody that's like, Zeke looks awesome. Zeke looks amazing. Dude, watch Ezekiel Elliott and then watch Blake Jarwin. It's like, don't they look similar? And don't lie to yourself. Don't tell me he looks fast. Like, everybody, like, don't be that guy that's just going to put in a bunch of buzzwords and stuff like that. Look at his feet. Look at how he plants his feet. Look at where he plants his feet. Look at how smoothly, or in his case, unsmoothly, how he moves his feet. Like, I just watched Blake Jarwin, and Blake Jarwin had better footwork than Ezekiel Elliott. Like, where it came to just placing his feet and things of that nature, it looked better on one rep than Zeke did. Now, on other reps, it looked a lot better for Zeke. He definitely cleaned it up. But it's like, on that first rep, Zeke versus Blake Jarwin, if you just showed me their feet, I'm like, oh, it's Blake Jarwin easily. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially, it looks like the workout is supposed to be, it's, it's essentially supposed to be that they're supposed to be able to stop and cut and make like a quick little like cut and get to the outside or get back to the inside or, or move left or move right, depending on where they're supposed to go and stuff like that. It looks like that's the drill. And Blake Darwin looked better than Zeke on one drill, on one rep. Again, I don't think, like, as much as people want to be like, why don't players come in for OTAs and things of that nature? Because they're doing shit like this. So they're working out with, like, running back coaches that specialize in footwork and their teams don't because their teams need running back coaches. And their running back coaches are going to have them do, like, running back shit, but they're not going to have them work on the pure and raw mechanics of some of the movements that come with their positions. So, for everybody that's like, why don't players come in? It's because of shit like this. So, <clears throat> anyways. For people, have a cow, man. Oh, boy, I... I'm tired. I'm mucho tired-o. I got to get some sleep. Is there anything else I got to talk about? Again, we'll, we'll go more in-depth about the draft. That Deshaun Watson stuff just, like, took the, took the energy out of me, bro. Oh, yeah, let me talk about a couple more things. Hmm. <clears throat> I kind of watched, I, I, I kind of ranted and raved about how awesome Miami's offense was last night because I was watching watching Miami versus the Chargers last night. Oh, my bad. I accidentally pressed the microphone button on my remote. But I was watching, you know, the Chargers versus Miami last night, and I was like, at first I was like, oh, the, the Miami Dolphins are kind of doing some awesome stuff. And then before the podcast got started, I, like, went back and I watched the entire game for, like, a little bit over an hour because I was able to fast-forward through the commercials and some stuff. 
Yeah, Miami went from like playing really, really well to going like tits up. It was super de duper weird, bro. It was like they they went from like calling unique and interesting plays to just like in the second quarter they just were like, oh, we're up by almost twenty one points. We'll just start running out the clock and stuff like that. And I was just like, no, keep scoring, keep keep scoring. And they were like, no, we're not. We're gonna try and run the football. And then they just they never really found their groove throughout the entirety of that football game ever again. I think they may have scored like six. They scored like double. I think they scored like in the double digits. Like they scored, I think, 15 more points. But it was like a sloppy 15. They should have blown out the Chargers that day because their defense, the Chargers defense was getting discombobulated by the Miami Dolphins offense. So, anyways. I don't know about Miami's offense. I'm not as, like, stoked about it anymore. But kind of, like, one thing that kind of stood out to me when I was watching the Chargers today, specifically, was they don't have a deep threat, like, at all. Like, with Mike Williams, he doesn't really get a whole lot of separation, so he's more back shoulder fade guy than anything else. And Keelan Allen is more of a slower slot to outside presence, excuse me, that really doesn't go down the field. I don't really know if that's something that the Chargers just put in their scheme and their game plan that just say, yeah, you know, um, uh, fucking Keenan Allen, you're just not going down the football field ever. You're not going to go on these deep routes. We're not going to have you run, you know, a dig or an out route or a deep over route or whatever. We're just going to keep you running underneath routes and uh, having him go over the middle of the field. He never goes up the field. It's kind of ridiculous to me. I don't know why ESPN is showing me. ESPN is is like showing me. I'm, I'm watching the Saints versus the Chargers now. And it's like, it's like third and eight on their first possession. The Chargers first possession. And they're showing me, I think, Connor Henry. Was like matched up. Oh, yeah, he was open. But he wasn't looking that way towards the uh, the field. He was looking at the right side, his strong side. Never mind. He was open. I was about to say the safety's going to come down and either destroy Hunter Henry or, and get the interception. We're just going to pick him off. I don't know. But no, I was wrong. My bad. But yeah, like the Chargers, they don't have a deep threat at all. Like I was like, wow, they can't get back into this game at all unless they just – not unless, excuse me, but because they just don't have a deep threat at all and um, they aren't able to get any chunk plays. And it's like, it kind of worries me for them this year because it's like, all right, how are you going to win games and get these big chunk plays? Because if literally anything bad happens and if they get behind, they have this like very, very slow progressing offense that gives the defense a lot of times to make a play. And if you keep everything in front of you, then they'll just go nowhere fast. And I get it that it's easy to say, um, you know, if you just keep anything in front, if you just keep everything in front of you, then they'll just like, they won't be able to do anything. But essentially, it's like in an offense that's already incapable of producing large chunk plays. And then they lost Hunter Henry, their best tight end. And it's like he was one of their guys that they could kind of rely on it on in the red zone to get deeper, <clears throat> you know, some uh, some some deeper footballs or some deeper passes and things of that nature. But it's like, you know, like, I mean, are, are they in the market for a wide receiver? I mean, they're in a market for a wide receiver. Also, who is their left tackle? As well, I like I I don't know who their left tackle is, but I don't like who their left tackle is. I don't like who their left guard is. 
I don't like their entire left side of their offensive line, dude. And it's like, that's who they rolled out last year? Oh, my God. I Like, I'm watching the Saints game. I'm going to fast forward through Drew Brees' play. I kind of just, I'm not really interested in New Orleans. I kind of just want to see the Chargers play. All right, incomplete pass. Saints go three and out. Do they did they roll out the same guys or the, or did the guys that they roll out against the Dolphins were they backups? That's what I'm interested in learning right now. There's this guy six nine. Usually six nine's a backup. Like the number six nine is usually a backup. No, he's their starter. He was there week four. Technically week five. Yeah, I don't like their offensive line. So the Chargers. They can get Elijah Vera Tucker, who can, like, flex at left tackle and left guard. So if he doesn't win the left tackle battle, then he can play left guard for you. Because holy fucking shit, do I not like their left tackle or their left guard. And they kind of need help at both. And if I'm honest with you, maybe their right tackle as well, depending on kind of how that situation plays out. Yeah, they have, like, the Chargers have so much fucking work to do <clears throat> when it comes to just, like, their offensive line and then their wide receiving core like they are so much further keenan allen is like their bright spot of their offense with justin herbert it's like no wonder why fucking philip rivers threw a shit ton of interceptions because he had no fucking deep threats and his offensive line was kind of bad on the left side and oh my god dude are the chargers a mess right now i thought the chargers were like a really really like viable threat to kansas city a couple of weeks ago and now it's like just like legitimately watching them play. I'm like, no, they aren't at all. And they have like, they have so much work to do on the offensive side of the football. And then they need like help on the defensive side of the football field as well with like Melvin Ingram being a free agent, Duran James being injury prone and, um, and Casey Hayward Jr. being gone and things of that nature and needing another corner on top of needing to replace Casey Hayward Jr. They have so much work to do. Oh my, I'm watching 6'9". Six 6'9 nine. Six nine may be the worst left tackle in the NFL. I'm watching him on a running play. He's literally tripping over his own feet and essentially he's trying to like shock block people. I'm like, oh my God. But Justin Herbert fucking makes it work, dude. He fucking makes it work. You know, there's this, like, dumbass thing. There's d this notion. Uh, like, hold on. I got to talk about this. I gotta, You, you want to know what's going on here? You know, you want to know what's going on with 6ix9ine? Right? The Chargers know that he's the weak link because they put Hunter Henry on his side of the offensive line on, like, third down, and he chips the pass rusher. Bang, 86. They chip. Justin Herbert sees... Keenan Allen down the field. They chip, and then he goes up the field. And then Keenan Allen's battling against Marshawn Lattimore, and Marshawn Lattimore has not been very good for the last couple of years. It's like... Oh, my God. And then they also... Oh, man, the Chargers... Oh, the Chargers are so weird. They, like, moved the fucking left tackle, the right tackle in the next run play. 
I show you not. They moved him from left, to, not to right tackle, excuse me, but to like tight end or something like that. And they like overloaded the right side of the offensive line. It's like, oh, Jesus Christ. And then the Saints, they had like a run blitz and they blitzed the wrong side trying to take advantage of the Chargers defensively. Dude, Chargers have so much fucking work to do, dude. They have so much goddamn work to do. Let me see Trey Hendrickson beat up on this right tackle. Yeah, he kind of did. Trey Hendrickson was playing on the weak side. And it was a run play. Saints thought that it was a passing play, which is why they blitzed and they blitzed incorrectly. Let me see Trey Hendrickson on this right on this left tackle. Eh, he couldn't get off his block. But that running back went fucking nowhere fast. I don't know. I, I don't have, like, the pulse of, like, Chargers fans or whatever. But it's, like, Chargers fans want an offensive lineman, right? They want an offensive lineman. They don't want I, – I, I get it. They also want flash and pop. They want Jalen Waddle. I get that. Take an offensive lineman. <laughs> take, take an offensive lineman. Take it. Oh, my God. And they let Trey Hendrickson almost come free. Trey Hendrickson went out in coverage and, like, chipped one of the guys, right? And they had confused the left tackle. He had chipped, and then he had rushed. And then the left tackle had helped. And then they just gave him a free alleyway to Justin Herbert. And if he didn't throw the football away, he would have gotten fucking blasted. Good God. It's like it's almost like watching Chaz Green. Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. Now I'm just, like, watching the game and, like, watching. How did they send out this left tackle and think that this guy was any good? How? He's against, like, I, like, they, 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 like, I, I realized this when I was, like, watching the Detroit podcast where it's, like, people were on that podcast. I, I was watching, uh, I, like, Oh my god. Oh my god. They oh now now the Saints have gotten the read. They overload like this is this is how you know that a tackle is bad, right? So the Chargers within 8 minutes, 8 to 9 minutes. It's like 6 minutes 33 seconds within the first quarter. There's 15 minutes per quarter. Within 8 minutes they've already gotten the read. This left tackle is terrible. And they have started to overload and created these, like, box blitzes, which essentially is overloading one side of the offensive line with pass rushes instead of just overloading the entirety. It's it's essentially putting so many pass rushes on one side that the offensive line can't respond. They inaccurately or ineffectively picked up this, picked up this, box, this box blitz, right? And 6-9 just essentially does nothing. Where it's like, yeah, I mean, they didn't pick up Trey Hendrickson at all. He was going to destroy Justin Herbert. Good God, dude. You know, I didn't like. I watched. I watched this game, and it's like hindsight twenty twenty, man. Anthony Lynn and the Chargers didn't get, do a good job at protecting Justin Herbert. I'm not gonna lie to you. They did not at all. Cause like I'm having to watch this football game again. 
And it's like he's having to put on a 300-pound backpack and carry it all the way to Calvary, you know? It's like, holy smokes, man. He is getting, like, no help right now. <clears throat> I'm watching this drive out. It's like third and seven. I'm watching this drive out. Brandon Staley better have a plan with the offense because, Jesus Christ, this is, like, this is terrible to watch. Third and seven. Herbert. Yeah, they're going with the box blitz again, it looks like. They're playing, like, an off coverage. I'm like, yep, the safety's going to go over because they're blitzing Herbert again. And, ooh. It's fucking Herbert, man. That should have been a sack, but he rolls out to his right. He has the athleticism to find Keenan Allen in the end zone. And I was like, it looks like it's like cover. It looks like it's like cover two. Or it looks like it's quarters coverage, right? But it's not. They're going to have like both of the safeties cover. And um, uh, one of the safeties is covering Keenan Allen because they're going to blitz everybody, essentially, because they're like, oh, their offensive line is shit. And um, they do. And... Uh, yeah, the pressure gets there, but Justin Herbert's awesome. And it should have either been an incompletion or a sack, and it's a touchdown. Shout out Justin Herbert for fucking making a play. But yeah, like the thing that I learned today that like I feel like is kind of going under the table because a lot of people are talking about, you know, the Cowboys or whichever franchise that they want to talk about. Like, the thing that's kind of going under the table that fans just... I'm listening to the audio right now. Hold on. Let me see what Keenan Allen has to say. Hold on. <clears throat> I don't... Spikes the ball. Justin Herbert is running around. God, Monday Night Football is boring. It happened on Monday Night Football. Shout out to Joe Testator. Shout out to the guy casting with John Gruden. They were both better. Monday Night Football has not gotten better to me. It has not gotten better at all. <clears throat> Anyways. um, Yeah, like. Like, like the thing that I learned today when I was watching the Detroit Lions podcast was they were talking about getting Kyle Pitts and, like, um, what was it? Like, a wide receiver like Jamar Chase. One guy called him Jamarcus Chase, and I'm like, it's Jamar Chase. Um, they were talking about getting, like, weapons or whatever, and I was like, why are you talking about getting weapons when you're off in the line of shit? And then they were talking about not getting a quarterback, and I was like, you do realize you got Jared Goff, right? And it kind of, to me, is like a reflection of certain teams where they, they're like, yeah, our offensive line is good. We have, like, you know, suitable players here at the offensive line. And I look at, like, other teams' offenses, and I'm like, oh, that's why your quarterback is always fucking getting destroyed. Uh, it's because they don't have any time in the pocket, and they have, like, the biggest weak link at certain key positions on the offensive line. Like, it's not about having, like, one good tackle. It's about having, like, two good tackles and like a good center and like a good guard, like one or two. It's like having like all of your positions on your offensive line be good to great, essentially. Like you can't just like have one good offensive lineman and just go home and be like, yeah, we're fine. 
or else you have like games like the Chargers against the Saints where I'm watching this game and I'm just like, yeah, Justin Herbert's carrying this football team right now. Don't be the Chargers. Be better. Be the Cowboys. Except not the Cowboys in the sense of them, you know, wasting 10 years of two of the greatest offensive linemen um, in the team's history. Um, actually fucking help that, help them out and build an offense that's conducive to the modern day of the NFL. Anyway, like, like I love how, like, everybody's like, oh, man, you know, the Cowboys, they, they played through their strengths. They ran the football. It's like, you know how they also could have played through their strengths? By throwing the football with awesome um, with awesome tackle play by Tyron Smith, awesome guard play by, um, by fucking Zach Martin, and awesome center play by fucking Travis Frederick. You know, I mean, just, you know, just a suggestion. No, it's not like they had multiple Hall of Famers at the offensive line position that, you know, probably had never at that point been seen before except in the dynasties of the Cowboys. No, it, that's not the case at all. You know, just had, you know, just played to their weaknesses, to the league's weaknesses and not to the league's strengths, you know, just, ugh, man, I, I am, I'm irked. I'm very irked right now. Pause the Saints versus and then the Chargers missed the fucking extra point. How the fuck do you miss an extra point? Essentially like a free point, dude. Anyways, um Beyond yeah, Peace and Out. We'll talk more about like <clears throat> about more um we'll talk about the draft more tomorrow. And things of that nature, and we'll go over my situations tomorrow. I know we didn't go over them today. It's just, like, I just kind of wanted to, like, talk about the whole Deshaun Watson thing. And that kind of took a long time. That took, like, an hour. And then it's, like, I don't want to be here for, like, another hour. For, like, three hours. Um, we'll get into mock draft stuff tomorrow. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been 24's podcast. I apologize for not getting into that today. Get into that tomorrow. Ladies and gentlemen, 24's podcast, best video gaming and sports podcast on the entire internet. Can't wait to talk about it tomorrow. Again, till tomorrow, hope you have a fantastic day. And I will see you again. Kind of wish I had played the um, the seventh song, but, you know, it is what it is.